Again, I just want to thank the youth so much for letting God use them. You guys see that in them. You see it up here. And it's a blessing as a youth pastor to see them allow God to use them for things like this. So I want to give them a hand again. Man, I'm a blessed youth pastor. I've enjoyed my time here. I've been here almost nine months now. Um, and every day I wake up, I look forward to going to work. That's something, there's something to be said in that. I enjoy coming in. I enjoy working with the people I work with. And I enjoy so much working with your kids. Sarah and I love them very much. My volunteers, I, again, I have the best volunteers that anybody can imagine and think of. Um, anything I ask them to do, they do it. They love these kids. They want the exact same thing I want for these kids, to get, for God to walk in everything that he has for them. And I appreciate you guys so much and the parents for getting them here. And those of you that aren't, get them here. God's doing some great things back there and you're seeing it out here. And we want them to start getting the boldness to share that. That's what we're working on right now. We just took our mission trip to St. Louis and that was an eye opener for a lot of us. And again, if you weren't here when I talked about that, they said that our group worked really hard and all the other groups they brought in there didn't do half the work that we did. And that's all a testament to God pouring into them, them seeing that need and wanting to go over there and help. And it was amazing. It was amazing to see them doing that and to minister in that area. Um, we know what's going on over there now. So God worked it all out where we could go help, stay safe, and, and share the love of Jesus over there. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 10, you can see the title we're going to be talking this morning about the same old baggage. If you're there, say yes. yes. I'll wait on some more. 1 Samuel chapter 10, we're going to jump around a little bit in this. If you're there, say yes. yes. All right. Somebody said no, but help them out if you can, if you're the neighbor. Okay. Starting in verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Jump down to verse 9. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. Verse 10, when Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. Verse 11, when those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, what? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? If you jump down to verse 20, so Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Matrites was cho chosen. And finally Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. We're going to center in here on verse 22. So they asked the Lord, they prayed to the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. Father, we just come to you now and we thank you so much, Father, for what you're already doing in this service, Lord. 
Lord, I ask that your presence would just fall in this place during this message, Father. Lord, I'm just an ordinary person bringing your word, but I know you can do extraordinary things with that. And I pray, Lord, that you anoint this. Lord, if there's people in here right now, Father, that are walking around the same whole baggage that they've been holding on to, that that is released and dropped today, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So all of you guys, I'm going to let my goofy side out a little bit because that's just me, okay? All of you guys who are dating in here, throw up a hand. Say, yep, I'm dating. Rick, I'm dating. Oh my gosh, come on. I know there's people in here. Throw them up. Don't be ashamed of your relationship. Some of you are saying, Rick, I don't even know if this is for real going to keep going. I just, I don't want to raise my hand yet. All right, good. Thank you. We got some people that are dating. All right. Now, here's a problem I see with dating nowadays. Okay. I've got the youth. Okay. I see that people say, I love you way too soon. Anybody agree with that? I'll hit on that again because Sarah's over there shaking her head. But people say, I love you way too soon, okay? Now here, here's the problem with that. Guys, if we're honest, and I'll try to keep it PG here, we say, I love you so soon because, well, we, we want to get something else out of relationship, okay? I'll leave it at that. Use your imagination. The ladies might say, I love you, honey, because they've got this fairy tale in their mind that Hollywood's put there about this great romantic journey I'm going to take, and this is the love of my life. So they go ahead and say it too soon, too. Here's the problem about saying it so soon, and I'm, I'm one of those. I said it too soon, but I got lucky, okay? We were... <laughs> I didn't know what she did. I, don't know. I can just imagine. We were dating. Sarah and I were dating. What? What? I guess I said something stupid. So. I didn't even notice it. Nothing happened because I said I love you, okay? That's what it was. I said it after three weeks, not with the expectation of anything in return. I just loved her. Okay? I remember we had been to church that night at my church, correct? I'm not good at these things. We had been at our church, my church. We went out to eat afterwards, right? Stop me if I'm wrong. We pulled up on the outside of the church. I was going to drop her off at her car so she could leave. And there was a song on the radio. It became our song because I knew what I was about to do. I was going to say, I love you to Sarah. And the song Amazed by Lone Star was playing. Baby, I'm amazed by you. I was like, man, this is perfect. This song is perfect for what I'm about to say to her. I just hope she receives it, says it back to me. So I told her I loved her. She said it back, of course. So we've been madly in love, deeply in love ever since then. So married for 16 years now. Love of my life. But in reality, that was probably too soon to drop that on her, you know, 
But thankfully, she felt the same way. But a lot of relationships today, people just throw that word out there, that phrase out there, real quick. So here's why I think you need to pause a little bit before you tell someone you love them, okay? Because, (laughs) because it usually takes about two to three months for some baggage to start surfacing in in their life. Now, whether that's because they want to be all perfect and everything in front of you and say the right things, do the right things, but after two or three months, something kind of changes. Whether they don't worry about being so perfect around you so much or they don't worry about things they say, but baggage starts to come up a little bit and you're like, what, what? I just just told you I loved you, you know, three weeks into this and now I'm seeing this stuff? That's a problem. So I'm saying we may say it too soon before we see the real person, all right? And there's some different kind of baggage in relationships. There's biological baggage. You find out, you know, after that two or three months, you find out who their family is. Oof. (laughs) That could be a deal breaker. I wish I'd have known that before I told you I loved you because your family's crazy. Okay? I may have been, you guys are laughing, so you know, it happens. Um... Our first date wasn't really even a date. I came up to her house, rented a movie, some dumb movie anyway, but rented the movie. That was going to be our first date at her house. And her dad, family, her dad says, hey, what'd you guys rent? And for our first date, it was the three of us. (laughs) Me and Sarah sitting on the couch and her dad in the recliner. So... Ended up loving her. I love her family. <laughs> that was just a little weird for her first date, you know, for her dad to be sitting there. So there's biological baggage. You don't quite know their family until later on, and then you're like, ooh, that's scary. Physiological baggage. Maybe they start chewing their nails all the time, and you didn't notice that the first few weeks, or their, their hair flipper. <laughs> or maybe it's bad breath. They were really hitting the... <laughs> all the time and chewing gum and taking mints and you're like, man, this is nice, but then they just quit doing that. You're like, I hate to be shallow, but I, I can't smell that breath for 40 years. I ain't no way. I just can't do that. I told you I got to let a little bit of me out of here. So. Then you've got romantic baggage. Maybe they were in a past relationship and well, I'm still really good friends with him. It's just a friendship thing, though, but we're still good friends. You're like, ooh, <laughs> okay. Or maybe it's they had a bad relationship, and now they're measuring you up to that. You're going to do the same thing to me that that person did. Romantic baggage. And how about spiritual baggage? Come to find out you met them at church, well, there ain't no church inside of them. Anybody been there before? I, I, I thought you... I thought you were a Christian and you went to church and, and now you act like you don't know God. You find that out later. So I'm saying, we say that too soon, two to three months down the road, we start to see this baggage pop up. Things pop up that weren't quite there when they were trying to be Mr. or Mrs. Perfect in the beginning. Again, I'm having some fun here, but I'm going to switch gears a little bit and look at our scripture 
The thing about baggage is no matter how good something started, baggage can always cause it to end. No matter how good something started, baggage can always cause it to end. As we look at Saul's story here, I'm trying to figure out why this ended so bad for him. Why was he hiding among the baggage when it became time for him to step in as the king of Israel? It started so good, but in the scripture it suggests there was still something there that kept that relationship from going forward. He was hiding among the baggage. And there's also something scary about this story. And I'll go back to the scriptures, but although God had given him all these things and and lined this up for him, he didn't want to walk in it. That's the same thing for us. God can set things up perfectly in your life, but there's some kind of baggage you're still holding on to that keeps you from walking in the destiny that God's given you. And we know this. We hang on to this stuff. The first thing, if you look back in verse 1, First thing that God gives Saul that you would think would seal the deal for him, verse one, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. The first thing Saul was given by God is his purpose. How great is that? Don't you wish it was that easy that God say, here's your purpose, Molly, here's your purpose. This is what you're supposed to do. Mark, this is your purpose. Some of us are still waiting on that, but right here he gives it to Saul. Tells him through a a prophet, this is your purpose. In verse 9, what else God gives him? As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a new heart. Gave him a new heart. He had purpose and he's got a new heart now. Same thing for us. When we get saved and get that new heart, we feel like we can conquer anything. We're ready to go. God's changed our heart. We're all good. Gives him more in verse 10. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. Holy Spirit. He's blessed with the Holy Spirit. It comes on him. Three things now that God's lined up for him. He's heard from God about his purpose. He's been given a new heart. And now the Holy Spirit's inside of him. Living inside of him. Many of us here would think, hey, that's what we need to be sold out Christians. We need those three things and bam, we can be like Jack on the Titanic in the beginning with his buddy. I'm the king of the world. If we have those things in our life as a Christian, we feel like that. But he wasn't there yet. Something was still holding him back. And he gets another thing here. In verse 11, when those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, what? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? Saul received a new reputation. Just like we do. When we get saved and God starts to transform our lives, our reputation changes for people around us. They see that. At least they should. Our reputation changes. So he's given purpose, a new heart, the Holy Spirit, and a new reputation. And still, when he's called on to step forward as the first king of Israel, he's hiding. He's hiding. And here's why I think it went down this way. Everybody agree, those four things, that's a pretty good start as a Christian, right? 
you have those four things going for you and God's dropped that in you, that's a good start. I would imagine you would think that you're on your way to great things in God if God's done all those things for you. But not Saul. He was still hiding among the baggage when it came time to be anointed the first king of Israel. There was still something he was holding on to. And I ask you, what aspect of your past is causing everything that God is doing in your life or wants to do in your life to have no effect? What's going on in your life? What's that baggage you're holding on to, that same old baggage that's causing you to have no effect in your destiny that God's given you? What are you hiding in? What is it that's holding you back from walking in everything God has for you? And there are people in here that know what I'm talking about. He had the perfect start and yet he was hiding when it came time to step into what God had for him. What is it, Saul? What is it? God's given you all this. What's going on? I've got baggage. It's one thing to believe God exists. It's another thing to believe he can transform your life, but it's another thing to believe that he wants to take that baggage away from you and forgive you of that and, and, and release that in your life. It's a whole other thing. And I'm talking about the stuff that's buried deep inside of you that some people may not even know about. The hurt, the pain, whatever it is that's holding you back. If Grace and McKenna and Elizabeth would come. Here's what I think was wrong. And this is just my take on this. But I think Saul's problem was he never let God have access to his mind. He never let God have access to his mind. He doubted in his own mind that he could do this, that he could be the very first king of Israel. He had doubts in his mind. Who, me, God? I, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. I've, I got baggage, God. I, I, I've got this stuff in my life that I, there's just no way, God. I can't, I can't do what you've asked me to do. I can't walk in my purpose because of this baggage. If we look in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, you guys know the scripture, you must love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. All your mind. In Romans 12, 2, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think or renewing your mind. Changing the way you think. He wants to change the way you think so you don't think about those things that you think are holding you back. That baggage that's in your life that you just can't let go of. He wants to transform your mind. 
And I think that was what Saul's problem was. He, was, he wasn't letting God transform his mind. And we can recite Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We can recite that. We can recite that. We can recite that. And yet we still walk around with the same old baggage on our back. What is baggage? Baggage is that thing you carry because you feel it's so unacceptable that not even Jesus wants it. It's so unacceptable. I've done something so bad or I've had something so bad done to me that not even Jesus wants to take this away from me. We've got to transform our mind. He does want to take that from you. And Saul, even though he heard from God, he didn't believe that God wanted him. He didn't believe that, and that's why he was hiding in the baggage. And this morning, my challenge to you is to say, we've got to get rid of that baggage. We've got to get rid of that same old baggage so we can walk in the destiny that God has for us. And Grace is going to show us a skit here talking about just that. When I was nine years old, my mom and dad split up. It was a pretty big deal, but I didn't know how to talk about it. A lot of my friends' parents were divorcing, and they seemed to do okay with it, but I felt like my world was being ripped apart. I just don't love you anymore. Why can't we give it one more try? I started packing things away. Maybe I thought I would just run away. Maybe I just wanted to protect the things I loved most and have them close to me all the time. I put in Little Bear, my favorite books, my diary, and other things that really meant a lot to me. Why are you being unreasonable? Joint custody was not my idea. I had to put in clothes as well for going back and forth between my mom's house and my dad's. My suitcase was packed and I carried it around. I carried my suitcase to school, to friends' houses, to church, Everywhere I went, really. And for a couple of years, nobody saw it. Or so I thought. But one Sunday at church, my class teacher noticed my bag and she asked me about it. She said, Annie, you look like you're carrying a heavy load there. I told her it wasn't heavy because it was the things that I loved. And I opened it up a little bit to show her what was inside. I tried to tell her about Little Bear and how scared he got sometimes. But instead of helping me, she just crammed a big Bible inside my bag. She told me 
if I would just accept Jesus, everything would get better. But I never saw Jesus. I just got the Bible. And all it did was make my bag heavier. When I was 14, I met this guy. Hey. We met because he tripped over my bag. He never even saw it. Whoa. He was really cute, and I guess you could say we fell for each other. I thought that the best way to show him how I felt about him was to tell him everything. So, I tried to tell him about the things that I loved and how I was afraid I would lose them if I didn't carry them around with me. He acted like he was interested and that he cared about the things I cared about. He took some of the things I gave him. Then he decided he didn't like me anymore. Look, Annie, it's just not gonna work out. And they were trashed. I didn't want to open my suitcase ever again. I guess I still had my things, but they were different somehow. I tried on schoolwork. I just couldn't. My bags were so heavy. I had teachers that put a lot of pressure on me. You have so much potential, Annie. They kept telling me how smart I was and that if I would just study more and work harder, my grades would get better and I could get into a really good college, which I really wanted to do. I know they couldn't see all that I was already carrying. So they loaded me up with all the books I would need to learn what I needed to know. Then I started obsessing about how heavy I felt. Every day, I felt bigger than all the other girls around me. I wondered if I ate less and worked out more, maybe I could shed some of this weight. So I did just that. I started running on the treadmill and eating just carrots. <laughs> but I couldn't make it better. I think. I lost weight, but with all these bags, I just couldn't tell. But just to remind me to stay in shape, I carried around my workout weights. I got a part-time job so I could have a phone. Hello? Yeah, whatever. My dad said he would buy me a car. My mom said, Honey, he just feels guilty because of the divorce. I thought he felt sorry for me having to carry my bags around. My life was so, I, so heavy. I felt like I was drowning. My parents were constantly pulling at me. Want to go to the lake this weekend with me and Jim? 
No, not really. I have plans with Dad. It's okay, Annie. Don't worry about it. We can get together next weekend. Then there was this one guy in my math class. We talked sometimes. Hi, Annie. I think that he had a lot of bags like me. He was just tired of carrying them. So he took his life. A bunch of us attended the service, and all I could think was I understand why he did it. I understand. Then somebody told me about Jesus. I said, oh, no, you don't. I'm still lugging around a big Bible in this bag, and all it is is heavy. No thanks. They said, but faith isn't about carrying around the Bible. It's about being carried by the God of the Bible. <laughs> Clever. They said that Jesus said, come unto me, anyone who is tired of carrying their bags. Right? Who isn't? Come unto me, and I will give you rest. How? How could he possibly give me rest? I'm so tired. I can't get rid of these bags. I have nowhere to put them. I have school responsibilities. I have pain. I have trash. I'm so tired of carrying them. Then they said, Look. What? His arms. So? They're open. They were nailed open. Put your bags on them. I can't. Lay them at his feet. I can't. They won't come off. Just try. <laughs> they won't come off me. They're so heavy. Put them on him. I can't. I just can't. about this that the, the baggage in your life and the ability to let go is the key to walking in that destiny that God has for you some of you in here have asked God to help you ask God to forgive you but you haven't dropped that same old baggage Some of us in here are addicted to things right now. 
and we want to serve God, we want to do good, but that addiction and that is pulling at us. It keeps pulling us away. Whatever that pain is, whatever that shame is, whatever hurt, whatever that baggage is, you, whatever it is, you have to get rid of it. The minute you ask Jesus to come into your heart and forgive you of your sins, he did it. Now you have to tap into that same power that came into your heart at that moment and learn how to forgive yourself. I carried some of this baggage in my own life and I've shared that with you guys with the depression, anxiety, thoughts of suicide. I walked around with that baggage. But the key for me, and I believe it can be the same for you, is you have to find a word that is stronger, that's more powerful than any of that baggage that's weighing you down. And that word is Jesus. If we can just call on the name of Jesus and say, God, this has been weighing me down. I can't take it anymore. I can't do what you want me to do because of this baggage. And if we could just say his name, Jesus, I need you. And he takes that baggage off. He gets rid of that same old baggage that you've been walking around with. just like that. So as they sing this song, it's called Once and for All. Once and for All. I'm going to open up the altars and if you're dealing with some kind of baggage, whatever it is, whatever that pain is, whatever that hurt is, whatever that shame, whatever it is that's keeping you from walking where God wants you to go and do the things God wants you to do, I want you to come up here to these altars and get rid of it. And don't pick it up again. That was my problem. I'd went to the altar several times. But as soon as I'd go up here and kneel down, I'd just pick it right back up and take it with me. But it's, it's when I determined in my heart and in my mind, and I called on the name of Jesus, and I yelled that, I yelled that out for my life, take it from me, it was off. It was gone. I didn't pick it up again. Then I was able to walk where God wanted me to walk. I was able to go into that destiny that he had for me. So as they sing, I just want to open the altars. If this message spoke to you, the skit spoke to you, and you're carrying around some old baggage that you need to get rid of, get rid of it this morning.
It is our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.